Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Today I am broadcasting, so happens to be, from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio. We have got a lot of things that we're going to be looking at in this market. It's been kind of an interesting market trade this week. As we're going to look at uh, uh, saying that some of the older producers out there are going to know, and I don't mean to put our two guests in that old category by any means, but that's a category about talking oats nose. And is it really kind of laying out what we see in the wheat and the corn? How is the soybeans faring? What is the freight cost that we're having to deal with? And are we making some purchases that are talking about these grain bookings into the next year of 2022? It may be small. But this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. Heather Ramsey, she is with the ARC Group, and Darren Fry with Water Street Solutions. Thank you to both of you uh, for joining us today as we kind of look back at these markets. And Darren, you and I had talked earlier on, on a Friday about what was going on in this market, and I want to start out with the oats because the oats definitely have been kind of setting this framework for what we're seeing in the trade. Yeah, they really have. You know, uh, it was back in June, oats were trading about 350 and um, we knew there was a bullish story brewing there because the Northern Plains, Canadian prairies were so dry. And then all of a sudden we got in July and August and these charts took off and, you know, oats have doubled since then. And so um, they've really led the way. And there's that old saying that oats knows where corn goes. Corn hasn't participated like that, but we're starting to see Minneapolis wheat go higher. And I think the wheat class in general have a lot of things going for them around the world. We we see Egypt paying more for uh, wheat this week than they did a few weeks ago. And the cash market's been firm in Europe. And and so if, if oats and wheat go higher and with all the problems we've had with supply, especially in the Northwest and West for all the cattle feeders, that does bode well for corn. So I think oats could help and so could wheat lead corn higher. Heather, what are you thinking? You and I've had this oats discussion. Actually, we had it during a... Husker Harvest Days this year when a lot of producers were talking about it there. What are you hearing from your clients? Are they kind of watching this oat market as well? You know, I don't know if the clients are really watching it as much as they used to. You know, years ago, that was definitely the thing. I've brought it up with a couple of my um, clients who've been around this marketing game for quite a while. And we discussed it and we kind of have the same similar, you know, takeaway that Darren mentioned where corn hasn't really followed along as well as we kind of expect to with that historical movement that we've seen between oats and corn before. Um, Not to say that it can't, you know, there's so many outlying things happening in this market that one good catalyst can really send corn in a direction that would mimic what oats has done. Um, I also start to wonder if maybe it's more of a foreshadowing of future corn prices. Maybe we're not corresponding to exactly what, you know, current month is. But if you go look at some of those deferred months, you know, specifically looking into like December of 2022, we've actually seen a really strong chart on 22 compared to this um, front 21, um, you know, December and the March 22. So D22 actually has a pretty good storyline and that could be doing a little bit more of a closer mimic to what OS has been doing versus maybe some of these 21 months. I 
I don't know what Darren thinks about the 22 corn chart, but I think it looks real good given the situation that we're in right now. It's been pretty impressive to see that chart kind of hold its own and get after it here in the last couple of weeks. Well, Darren, I see you kind of uh, shaking your head in agreement. Yeah. Give me your thoughts on this corn. No, Heather's right. The 22 corn crop, even even the 22 bean uh, contract, um, while it's a lot more uh, weak than corn, uh, it kind of came down and flushed out some lows here a few weeks ago and it's recovered some. And I think it'll try to keep pace so it doesn't lose, you know, uh, or, or, you know, lose so many acres to corn. But corn's going to have to bid for more acres. And that's what Heather's alluding to. Uh, we've seen energy prices go up, fertilizer prices skyrocketing. And really, a lot of these guys break evens that maybe at $5 last year made them a lot of money. Now at $5, they're breaking even or losing money, depending on other costs are associating with that corn production. So the, the December 22 uh, chart looks like a rock star ready to take the stage. And uh, I agree with Heather. And, and oats sometimes could foreshadow something a year out. So uh, it's a very good point she makes. Well, as we jump into the soybeans, again, I want to remind folks that this is being brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Fart and, of course, the soybean farmers and their checkoff dollars. So are soybeans relying too much on China at this point, do you think? Darren? Is that for me? Okay. That's for you. Uh, yeah, I think, I think China's been, um, you know, very slow to come to the market. We know their meal uh, margin, their crush margin have been stinky, and they just haven't taken the beans that we thought. They've even been buying boats out of Brazil, out of South America here lately. And so we just haven't uh, seen what we need to see on the demand side. And you couple that with, um, you know, Brazil's at a, a rapid planting rate and uh, the crops off to a great start. And they're going to come to market at least 30 days ahead of last year with beans and the exportable channel. So, you know, it, it kind of really have some headwinds here for soybeans. And they're certainly not the leader they were, you know, 12 weeks ago. So then, Heather, that makes me wonder, and then this comes a, a question from a listener, when it comes to freight costs, whether it's being shipped out to the PNW or it's heading down the Mississippi River, where are freight costs, and is that going to have effect on this trade? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with Darren um, when you're talking about this Brazilian crop, and that's super important. Um, they're going to do things cheaper than we are when it comes to direct shipping to China. Um and so right now, yeah, our freight costs in the U.S. are definitely high. Um, we've seen barge freight go up. We've seen rail freight go up. Um, access to freight um, is also becoming a problem, uh, especially when you're looking at rail. Um, you know, can't we even get the trains in where they need them to be able to ship um, ship grain out of the interior U.S. to uh, export facilities? So that's adding some costs. And in the the global perspective, you know. Where am I going to buy my beans from if I'm China? Well, I'm going to take the discounted price out of Brazil versus going to the U.S. Um, I say this to my clients a lot. It's good to keep in mind that we are not the number one producer of soybeans. Mm -hmm. We are the number one producer of corn, which generally makes us the cheapest corn in the world. Um, but when we're not the number one producer of soybeans, we lose that advantage, um, that that bulk advantage. And so our soybeans are more expensive generally to China. And that's what we're going to run into again if if Brazil has a really good crop. I know there's a lot of discussion out there about like La Nina coming around. Weather is unpredictable. Um, you never know how that's going to affect a growing season in Brazil or Argentina. And so it's kind of a have to wait and see type of thing. But if they raise a decent, if they raise an average crop on the acreages that they're planting this year, that's a huge crop. 
that's a huge crop. Um, that's going to affect where we rank globally on the price of soybeans and our freight rate has already got us up here, right? <laughs> so if we, if Brazil comes in with a really good crop or better then they're like, hey, we win, everyone's gonna buy Brazilian soybeans. So um, it's definitely something to watch and pay attention to. Um, yeah, like Darren mentioned, they are, they are planting at a rapid pace and they're, they're gonna have soybeans ready for export earlier. Um, than what we would kind of normally expect. So right. definitely yeah. keep an eye on it. Well, it's, do you want to make a comment, Darren, or? No, I agree with that. I mean, they're they're going to compete with us here and and that's going to be 60 days from now. They're going to be, uh, or not 60 days, well, close to it, probably 75, they'll be competing. And, and uh, our window is just closing rapidly for us to get that export business. What's your thoughts, Darren, on the fundamentals going on right now with the livestock, specifically with the cattle, with all the, the input costs that are affecting the trade. Yeah, so they, they uh, you know, we, we've been contracting the hog herd for several quarters now, and we've seen that in cattle as well because of the lack of feed. So a lot of calf, cow-calf pairs got liquidated there in early summer and drought intensified out west. So I'm really bullish longer term. You got China taking a lot more beef than they ever have. They're getting an appetite for that. And whether they come for, for pork or not, um, you know, they, they kind of have a cheap, pork situation now they've overproduced and they've been buying some of that the government has put in cold storage but if you take a look at the pork side even without them buying i think we have other good exports going on on the pork side and i'm really bullish into the seasonal highs of memorial day for for uh the hog side and then beef february march april you start getting in that hole from the mass liquidation of the drought in 21 and um, you got to look up in these markets, I think, as we get into 22. So, Heather, do you think, and, and you're kind of in the heart of cattle country in Nebraska, is there concerns from cattle producers that we're not going to have those supplies of, of heifers in the years to come because of all the liquidations going on? Um, you know, honestly, I am definitely in the heart of cattle country, and I love cows. I really love steak, but I'm probably not in the best position to answer that question, honestly. Um, I think that there's, I've definitely heard grumblings and concerns about that, um, but it's not something that I'm super well versed in. So I'm going to roll with Darren. I like Darren's answer. That sounded good to me. <laughs> as, as we, I want to kind of rewind back a little bit to grains because before we started, Heather, you brought up the comment about guys looking to book into 2022. Are we putting the cart ahead of the horse on this? You know, my personal opinion is that yes, um, there's definitely, we've, People have started to show their hands. When I say people, I mean buyers, end users, um, originators. They've shown their hand a little bit early, um, looking for Jan, Feb, March booked corn, uh, specifically on the corn side of things. And it gets uh, farmers excited. Uh, it feels like, oh, hey, they want my corn for JFM. That's awesome. But I would caution everyone because if they're looking for it this early, there's something going on behind the scenes that's driving that. And, and so I'm actually really looking forward to the next couple months of figuring out where basis is going to fall, especially for Nebraska here. Um, we've got a huge opportunity. You know, supply was good. It wasn't awesome. And so I think that is some of the driver behind this. And as long as exports stay good for corn, um, even where they're at today, that's really positive to corn. Um, ethanol is super positive, too. So. 
All right, well, we have to wrap it up. Thank you to both of you for joining us this week, Heather Ramsey and Darren Fry. Just a quick reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable to all investors. That's the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkup.